Welcome back to the Axiom Youth Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This lesson is being taught by Brother Thomas Valerie, and it's entitled The Word. It's a continuation of our series called Spell It Out. We hope you enjoy. Here's what I want you to do. Why don't we stand up? Who here, who here is a morning person? Raise your hand, raise your hand. We have a couple. I want to let you know that me, I am not a morning person. But hey, like I told the people that rode the van this morning, it's a choice. You can be a morning person. You can be. It's your attitude. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to choose to be a morning person today. I want you to do jumping jacks. Three, two, one, go. Y'all actually did it? What? I can't believe you're actually doing it. Oh, Brother Daniel passed out over there. I'm sorry, Brother Daniel. Okay, that's all I wanted you to do. I just wanted to wake you up a little bit. Good. Boy, I... I tell you what, Brother Gavin, the older I get, well, no, but I would like to think that I become wiser. My hair shows it, but I don't, I don't know if I'm much wiser. But the older I get, the more old school I feel. Like those songs today, those old songs, they just, they talk to me. Man, and when I was about your age, they didn't talk to me as much. But just then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Doesn't that say something to you? Does it? Yes? No? Okay. It should. If you got the Holy Ghost, that's got to say something to you. These new songs, uh, a lot of the new songs, I won't say every new song, they don't have the kind of depth and the meaning that these old songs had. That song right there, How Great Thou Art, that was born out of prayer. And uh, you can't say that about all these new songs. But anyways, we're continuing today with our Spell It Out series. You're right, Brother Jared, it is getting a little warm in here. So I'm going to turn that off. There's a vent, like, right above the podium. I feel it blowing. It's just, like, two sides. I'm not taking my jacket off. So, um, so my title this morning, what I want to talk about is simply the word. The word. We got a fancy. There it is. Okay. The word. Not just any word, but it's the word, the word of God. We need to know what the word says, as Sister Lively tells us. What does the word say? I agree with her. What, do, what does the word say? So, I want to begin by reading John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. 
John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same, being the Word, was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That, that's about, that about sums it up right there. Um, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, didn't understand it. So, I want to start off by saying today that the reason why you're here today, I believe, it's not by accident, but I believe that you believe that there is a God. Otherwise, this is a strange place to meet new friends. Um, you're here because you first believe in God. You may not fully understand who He is. You might be trying to figure out who He is, but you believe that there is a God. And that's good because uh, that, that means you have faith in God. And Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, meaning you have to believe that there is a God, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we believe that he is creator. We believe that he is alive and he answers prayers. Amen? Just... If anybody's had, like, a prayer answered, raise your hand. I just want to see. Quick story. Uh, this week, I was just thinking about how good God is. And not a whole lot of people know this about me. But I was a really, really sickly kid um, when I was young. Not so young anymore. I'm almost as old as Brother Jared, but almost. But when I was a kid, I had this ter terrible, terrible allergy to eggs. Not sweet. No good. No bueno. Uh, and so you'd be surprised what contains egg. Everything contains egg. I could not eat anything. I was much skinnier than I am today, but I was also much younger. Um, and one day, I just got tired of it. You know, the, the preacher kept on preaching that God could heal you. And I said, you know what? I'm going to believe that. I go up to the front. They lay hands on me, pray that I'm not allergic to egg anymore. That night, we went to a restaurant, and I ate ice cream. That contained egg, and I did not have a deathly allergic reaction to it. God can work instantly just like that. You just have to respond. I, was also, I also had really bad asthma. The same thing, I got tired of it. I, like, I had such bad asthma that it hospitalized me. 
Like, I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't run around. I couldn't uh, be with my friends. I would just lose my breath, and my throat would start closing up. I couldn't breathe. They would have to take me to the hospital. Same thing. Got tired of it. Went up to the altar. They laid hands on me. And I never had another asthma attack. Just a side note. Just in case you were wondering if miracles can still happen. I'm living proof. I'm here. Any one of those uh, asthma attacks could have killed me. It was that bad. In fact, one one time, uh, I think it was my maybe kindergarten or first grade class, they came up to the hospital just to make sure I wasn't dead. Yeah, so they, they thought I was dead. So luckily I wasn't. But anyways, okay, I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. Um, ooh, I got louder. Uh, but there's a trend in modern Christianity that proclaims that God is perfect, but His Word, everybody say His Word, His Word is not perfect. That doesn't make sense, does it, Brother Dalton? God is perfect, but His Word is not. This shocking trend has woven its way through denominal Christianity, meaning uh, Baptist, Episcopal, uh, Presbyterian, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but it's it's making its way right to our front door. Even some apostolics m- believe, you know, that the Word of God is not perfect because it was written by men, and men are not perfect. So how can something that men wrote be perfect? So that's that's a trend. Okay. But, you know, as young people, whether you want to admit it or not, you're very impressionable at this age. That means, you know, I could tell you to jump off a bridge and you might would listen to me. You might at least consider it because, you know, you respect me so much. And I, what I say to you can't be bad, right? Can't be bad for you. I'm kidding. I, I don't. But anyways. So, uh, the voice that speaks loudest in your life is usually what you'll listen to. And the enemy of your soul would like nothing more than to destroy your confidence and faith in God. Right? And he uses the so-called logic of men to break down the foundation of our faith. Everybody say it. The Word. It's the foundation of our faith. So here's the deal. Brother Kilman, who knows Brother Kilman? Raise your hand. Okay, just about everybody. He's been here a few times. He wrote an article in uh, IBC Perspectives called The uh, Belief in Inerrancy of Scripture. I'll explain what that means in a minute. So he writes about... uh, a sociologist named Jeffrey Haddon, and he gives alarming statistics regarding ministers who affirm Scripture is without any errors in faith, history, or secular matters. That means that he took they took a poll on ministers in different 
denominal uh, denominations of Christianity and asked them whether they thought that there's errors in the Bible, basically. And this is shocking. Get ready, okay? 95% of Episcopalians, 87% of Methodists, 82% of Presbyterians, and 77% of American Lutherans, 67% of American Baptists all said no. They believe that there are errors in the Bible. They don't believe in inerrancy. Okay? The only two denominal groups that were in the survey that defended, defended inerrancy were the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and the Southern Baptists. So, um, if you're wondering what is this big word that Brother Thomas is saying, inerrancy, that simply means that it's the belief that the Bible has no errors in it, right? It's completely flawless. No errors in history or science or spiritual errors or errors in in modern issues like uh, what should we believe about homosexuality or or um, uh, abortion or things like that? There's no errors in it. Okay, that's that's what inerrancy means. So it's it's popular in today's society to believe that the Word of God has errors in history and especially in modern science. Uh, so what's the, what's the problem in believing that the Bible has a few errors in it? Without our belief that the Bible is correct in all aspects, it is senseless to claim any truth about God, eternity, or salvation. Okay? Does that make sense? Who's asleep yet? Okay, we're all awake. Okay. Sister Nala is going to back me up. <laughs> okay, so if we believe a liberal view of the Bible, that there are errors in Scripture, be it historically, scientifically, or otherwise, we take uh, the validity, the, the uh, assuredness that, uh, that of the scriptural aspect of the Bible and brings it into question. Uh, we we might have to question it because if one part of the Bible is not true, then how can the spiritual aspect of the Bible be true? So, I'm going to wake up Brother Caleb over here. He's asleep. Brother Caleb, if I told you that the Bible is written in the Bible. See, here's a Bible. Thompson Chain, one of the best Bibles ever. What if I told you that Brother Caleb... Every person that was ever born had six toes on their right foot. Do you have six toes on your right foot? Oh, good. Okay. What if I had told you that the Bible said that? And I could, I could pull up a scripture that said that. And then I were to tell you 
that God wants you to go to heaven and this is how you do it according to the Bible. Would you believe what I told you about salvation? You would. You don't have six toes on your right foot. But wouldn't you want to like, why does the Bible tell me I have six toes on my right foot when nobody has six toes on the right foot, right? Oh, boy. So every person on earth has had surgery to have the sixth toe removed from the right foot. No, I don't believe it. I know. So see, that's, that's, that's kind of a ridiculous explanation there, see. But I'm, I'm trying to say that if the Bible contained errors like that, that we know is not true, you know, we don't have six toes on our right foot. Some people do, but the Bible doesn't say that. So if, if it contained errors like that, we would want to question the rest of the Bible. Acts 2.38, our, our bread and butter. So then we can conclude that inerrancy matters, right? We can conclude that we have to believe that there are no errors in the Bible. And just a side note here, I know I've been going off track a little bit this morning. But most of modern science today is very uh, authoritarian and very political, right? Uh, they make a theory and proclaim it as fact, right? They say, we found, we've thought of this theory, this is theoretically how things are, are so that is it, that is the word, and it can't change, so let's compare this theory to the Bible, even, you know, it, it's, that's what they do. Uh, it's kind of like uh, global warming or so-called climate change. It's completely political and doesn't have any really, really any facts to back up that humans are causing global warming. But uh, they're proclaiming it as fact the fact of the matter is in second peter it claims that the earth is going to melt with fervent heat so um, that shouldn't be any surprise to anybody i wouldn't say that it's uh, carbon emissions that are going to cause that but probably just the will of god you know because well maybe not the will of god that everybody is destroyed but that all should come to repentance, but there's going to be a day that the earth is going to melt, Brother Caleb. So, side note there. Um, but the fact of the matter is that everyone finds what they are looking for. If you look through the lens of biblical criticism, if you're trying to find a problem with the Bible, if you have a mindset that you're going to be critical about everything that the Bible says, you are probably going to find something wrong with the Bible. Okay, very tiny things, but you will find them. I'm not saying that there are errors in the Bible, but what I'm saying is that people will take Scripture out of context and, and warp it and change it into what they want it to say. Does that make sense? Okay, so don't get me wrong there. I'm not saying that there's errors in the Bible because otherwise this lesson would be completely worthless. So, 
So I would like to go through the issues and uh, defend the Word of God and everything, but we don't have time for that. Um, it would take a very long time. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of things that um, people bring up against the Bible, and I'm not. I want you to study. I want you to know what you believe. Okay. Um, I want to tell you that God or the the Bible proves itself. It is self-evident that it is the Word of God. It is to be taken literally. It does not have errors. And that's where I appreciate Bible quizzing. Shout out to Bible quizzing. Um, especially this year, we're going over Bible doctrine to be unshakable in Bible doctrine. And basically, the first section of our area of study talks about the Word of God. And uh, it explains that God is author. And this is one of our verses that we're learning, 2 Timothy 3.16. I'll let it pop up on the screen. There we go. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It also explains that uh, men were inspired by God to write uh, Scripture. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. I'm going to go through several Scriptures, so... 2 Peter 1, 20-21 Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Meaning, man didn't just say, hey, I'm going to write this book telling about all the good things that God did. But, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay? The Holy Ghost moved them to write Scripture. Okay? Uh, it explains that the Bible is without error, what we're talking about today. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. And y'all better learn this one. Like, there's a lot of questions on this verse, okay? The grass withereth. How, how about everybody say it with me, Okay? The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Okay? And the next one is kind of similar to that. Luke 21, 33. We'll say it together. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Okay? They're forever. This is, this is God, the Word of God. The words of God will not pass away. Heaven and earth will be destroyed. Everything will, will not last as long as God's Word. It stands forever. If God has spoken something to you, it's going to be there. It's not going anywhere. It's not changing. If God speaks, there's no errors in it. If God says 
Brother Caleb, I'm not say I'm not saying that God is telling you this from me, okay? But for example, if God told you to go to Cuba and be a missionary and go to the most dangerous part of Cuba where all the communist uh, regime is at and talk to all the soldiers there, if God told you to do that, he wasn't making a, a mistake. He meant to do that. He didn't make an error when he said that. And because he said that, he's going to make sure it goes through. He's going to make sure you're able to do it, right? Okay. So God's word doesn't pass away. Um, but you could say maybe like, what about other forms of religion? Okay, I want to give you an example here. Mythology. Who has studied mythology in school? Just about everybody. I don't know why we study mythology in school. Um, mythology, Greek mythology, Roman mythology, talking about Zeus and blah, 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 you know. Does anybody believe in mythology? No. The word is there. But it w w something something was realized long after, and it's this that nothing in mythology could be true. The word of God has lasted so long because there is truth in it. It is truth. It has lasted so long because that is how you are supposed to to. Uh, have a connection with God is through the Word of God, to know God, to know about God. It's the doorway. So, okay, moving on. It explains that uh, the Word is food for the soul, Job chapter 23, 12. You want to say it with me again? You are doing a good job, by the way. Neither, neither, neither. Neither, neither, there we go. Have I gone back from the commandment of his lips? I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job is saying, I need the word of God more than food. Ooh, Thomas, can you say that? Ooh, I, ho I, I would like to think that. I like food. But this is more important than food, okay? Okay. Um, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. I won't make you repeat it with me. I know that's getting kind of boring. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah was saying that I ate the words of the Lord. They're good. They filled my belly. So, uh, what we're studying, Bible quizzing, also explains that the word should be loved. Joshua 1.8. Who can quote Joshua 1.8? Haley? Can you? Uh, I'll just say it. Okay. Yeah. 
Go ahead, go ahead. <coughs> this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate there and day and night. Okay. I believe that she knows that verse, but here we go. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. I want you to pay attention to this last part. This is the only time in the Bible that the word success is used. If you want to be successful in this life, follow this scripture. Okay? So I'll read it again. This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night. That means you're going to think about it. You're going to think about the word of the Lord that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. You've got to do what the Word says. Okay? For then will you be prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. If you want to be successful, do what the Word of the Lord says. Believe that it is truth. Believe that it is, there is no errors in it. That is, it, is, it gives you the way to live. It gives you salvation. It gives you hope for a, 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 another life after this. If we, have li- if we have hope in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. I might have misquoted that. but So, how then should we apply this to our lives? The world pushes their agenda on us. How then should we resist or fight back? The Word of God means very little if read and not acted upon. If Bible quizzers, this is, this is pointed to you as well. If you just study the Word of God just for competition's sake, it's not going to do you any good if you don't do what it says. Romans 2.13 says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Saying that the hearers of the law are not justified before God, but it's the doers, the person that acts upon the word of God, They're justified. In the last day, when you present yourself before God, the doers of the law, the doers of the word of God, are going to be the ones that enter in. You're going to go to college one day, hopefully. I've never been to college, but from what people have told me that have gone to a secular college, it's not pretty for Christians. You're going to be attacked People are going to tell you this, that there are errors in the Bible, that there are mistakes in the Bible. How could you believe in that? And you've got to know what you believe and stand upon the Word of God, or else you're not going to live for God much longer than when you get into college. 
And I want every single one of you to be able to stand on your two feet on the Word of God and live for God and do great things for God. Because that potential is in every one of you. So we show the truth and inerrancy of the Word of God. We show that the Word of God doesn't have errors in it by how we apply it to our lives. Belief in the Word of God first begins with a desire for God Himself. And as we read from our text in the beginning, the Word was God. God is inseparable from His Word. Okay? God and His Word are inseparable. That means you can't divide it up. You can't have a spiritual life without the Word of God. You can't have just the Word of God without a spiritual life. Okay? A relationship with God. You have to have both. Okay? So to show the world that there are no errors in the Word of God, you have to apply the Word of God to your life. You have to live it out. Okay? You have to show that the Word of God works. Does that make sense? Because if you're going to reach your classmates, people that you're around that don't believe that the Word of God is, or the Bible, rather, is the Word of God, complete, true, holy, inerrant. You've got to live it, not halfway live it. You've got to apply it to your life. The way you live your life shows the world that the Word of God works. So if it works, then it must be true. Okay. So I don't want, again, I don't want you to take my word for it today. I want you to study for yourself. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the the word of truth. You're to study yourself. Okay. When one of us, one of the youth team, a teacher, comes up and teaches or preaches you the Word of God, don't take our word for it. We want you to study for yourself, okay? You have got to believe this for yourself. You've got to get the revelation for yourself, Brother Austin. You can't. You can't go to heaven on the, the coattails of, of Brother Isaacson or Brother Jared or your parents. You've got to have a relationship with the Lord for yourself. You've got to know the Word of God for yourself. You've got to know what you believe for yourself. We want you to ask questions about the Word of God. Why does it say this? And Why is that sentence worded like that? And why do I need to live my life like that? Okay? So you can understand. Living this life without understanding, living uh, a biblical life without understanding is empty and it's hollow. It's, It's basically what the Pharisees lived by. They lived by the word, 
and nothing else. They didn't have understanding of what the law meant. God was, Jesus was the fulfillment of the law, and they didn't realize it. So this is what I can tell you about my own experience with the Word of God, and it's summarized with this one scripture, Psalms 119, 105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This world is a dark place, and sometimes you don't know which way you should go. But we have this solid foundation called the Bible that will lead you. And it will be that flashlight, so to speak, on your feet, on the path that you need to go to, to lead you, to guide you, to be there for you. We've got to believe that there is that the word of God is perfect. If there's a perfect God, there's a perfect word. And it was preserved for us. So Brother Jared's left out. Okay, I'm closing. All right, so we'll stand together then. I'm I'm serious, young people, when I say that your belief in the Word of God is going to be attacked, especially as uh, the end comes. It's getting closer and closer by the day, by the minute, by the hour, however you want to look at it. You're going to be attacked. You've got to know what you believe, okay? So I just wanted to put that in your mind. I wasn't trying to give you any details necessarily about what you should believe, but I wanted to put it in your mind. Does the Bible have errors in it? Maybe I should look at that. Maybe I should ask questions about that. Maybe I should find out for myself what I believe in that. Okay. My knowledge, my understanding is that the Bible is true in all aspects. There's nothing impure about the Word of God. It's pure and it's holy and it's perfect in every way. So let's pray. I hope you got something out of this this morning. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done, God. We thank you for the Word. We thank you for for giving us this, Lord Jesus, especially in our own language, God. And we know that many people had to die for this Word, Lord Jesus. We don't want to take it for granted, God. We don't want to, 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 to attack it, Lord Jesus. We want to embrace it, Lord, to apply it to our lives, Jesus. We want you, Lord, to have free reign in our lives, God. We want you to speak to us today, Jesus, through your word, God. Touch these young people, God. I ask, God, that you, you draw them closer to you, God. Give them a, a desire to know more about you, Lord. Show them things in, in the word that they've never seen before. In Jesus' name, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Amen. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. 
Thank you for tuning in.